The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about healing in relationships. And, you know, we talk about that all the time with the name of our show being Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. And I've been reading this wonderful book called Healing is Mutual, and it's by this woman named Dr. Deb Hirshhorn. And she holds a PhD in marriage and family therapy from Nova Southeastern University. And Dr. Deb has been married to the same man for 36 years. So I think she's worked out some of those issues. And in addition to authoring dozens of articles and publications and appearing on shows like Americans, America's Health Network, Dr. Deb is the author of The Healing is Mutual, Marriage Empowerment Tools to Rebuild Trust and Respect Together. And so she's coming to us from beautiful New York, from Long Island, where I used to live and I get a kick out of that. And Deb, we, Dr. Deb, we are so thrilled to have you join us. Thank you. Well, I am thrilled to be joining you. Well, I know you have a unique way of dealing with couples. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that unique way? Well, I think the first thing to understand is that when somebody is rude or hurtful or whatever, they just get your dander up, it's really important for people to not automatically do that knee-jerk reaction of, I want to get you. So my unique way, if you will, and it's not my own, it's not like I invented it, it's, it's part of a general approach to doing things in a peaceful way, is to recognize that if a person is, let me use that horrible word, abusive, or even not abusive, but just annoying or difficult or pain in the whatever, yeah. they probably come from a background that either mistreated or neglected them in some way. So they were kind of, let's say it wasn't abuse, but they, their parents were getting divorced. Or their parents worked very, very hard and didn't give much supervision. Whatever it is, they, that person did not have enough supervision to know how to live right. Okay, to me, I call that emotional neglect, which is a form of abuse. Right. So for me, I say that that person needs to heal as much as the person 
who he or she, whoever it is, has been annoying or intimidating or abusing. Both need to heal. And that's why the book is called The Healing is Mutual. It's a hope that each person will go through it and work through all the exercises and kind of come together on their process. It's a way of discovering oneself and discovering what one needs to do to heal. Right. And so a lot of coaches and therapists work on healing. So what is your suggestion in terms of that healing within that relationship? What is unique about that? Okay. So one of the things that I feel is really important is for each person to look out for what's called victim thinking. I think this is a central concept. If you were in some way a victim in your childhood, as I said, even if it was just, just in quotes, neglect, or God forbid, real abuse, verbal or emotional or physical, whatever, abuse, if you were a victim, then you're going to kind of have that filter where everything coming at you, you could misinterpret. Somebody just said to me, um, emailed me the other day, she was new at a job and she heard two people whispering and one of them said the words, she's kind of awkward. Right away, this person who emailed me thought it was her. I said, that's ridiculous. Come on. But that's the filter that we often will have where we'll just assume that we are being put down, we're being bashed, we're being criticized. That's what I call victim thinking. Yes, now, and, and victim what, personalities are they, they kind of attract that victimhood, don't they? They, have, they attract being a victim. I know I deal with victims many, many times that are victims, let's say, of identity theft or fraud. And yes, they have been victimized, but they don't need to remain a victim they can be a victor and and the problem that happens with many clients that i have is that once you put out there that you're a victim you seem to attract people who will victimize you right that's an interesting thought it could be it, it could be i think you're just kind of so used to it let, let, let's look at it this way you're so used to it that if you assume all the time that somebody is victimizing you, what if you're married and you assume, let's say it's, it's a woman, and she assumes her husband is victimizing her in his speech or in his actions, what would she do? She might strike out at him. She might become obnoxious and rude or mean to him or accusatory or blaming now, what if he wasn't? What if he really did nothing wrong? Just like this, this person I'm relating the story of, they were talking about someone else and not her when they said, I think she's awkward. Right, right. Okay. So, but now if this husband is being blamed for something he didn't do, how is he going to feel? He's going to start to get angry, won't he? Well, he might feel soon, he... He might feel victimized, right? Exactly, mm -hmm. and pretty soon he's gonna, he could very well become aggressive because he's tired of being mistreated and, and spoken to this way. 
So you see, I don't know exactly which is the cart and which is the horse, but so sooner or later that person may end up in some kind of a vicious cycle with the spouse in which she really is being victimized. Right, so, right. So now how do two people get out of this kind of a loop here where, you know, you think this way, then you react to it, this knee-jerk reaction of getting angry, and then the person says, you see, I was right, and then they get angry and it escalates. How do you get out of that? So from my point of view, I think the first thing people have to do is they have to really examine the situation. And if there is a shred of doubt, just a shred of doubt, that maybe the person really did not victimize them and they're just misreading their cues, then what they have to do is give the benefit of the doubt. I even have a benefit of the doubt exercise for my clients, and it's very hard to do if you're not used to it. But you say, okay, I'm going to come up with five reasons why this person acted that way. Hmm. And you actually write them down, and it's very hard. But what this exercise does is it starts to help you put yourself in another person's shoes. Now, if it's a husband and wife, this is very cool because they can start discussing it. They can talk about their experiences with it, and the wife can say, you know, I thought you were blaming me, but I realized maybe I misunderstood you, and I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'm thinking you didn't mean that at all. So what did you mean when you said X, Y, and Z, whatever it is? And they can talk about it, and they can work through this whole thing together as a team. It's very cool. And, and you have to be able to stop yourself before that button gets pushed and you start blaming back again, against the other person. So if someone says something to you and you feel it as an attack because you feel victimized, you have to have that that moment to breathe or something to, to stop yourself because so many times these people that you're talking about and the people that I'm talking about is they have an automatic knee-jerk reaction that how dare you, how dare you, um, accuse me or how dare you attack me right. and they're not being attacked so they're right. in between that they have to have that that moment that break that that time out for a second to say well wait a minute maybe I should check this out did he really mean that or what did he really mean you right. know I hear this all the time in mediation because when I get couples that come to me, they've already had perhaps years and years of blaming and guilt and victimization. And so when I get them, when I get them, I have to be the one to stop and say, well, wait a minute. I didn't hear it that way, but let's see. What did, what did you mean when you just said this? You know? Oh, sure. <laughs> and that would be exactly what I would do when I'm in therapy with a couple. Sure. But actually, people can work their way through the book, and I, I've gotten so many positive responses from people who have done that. They've worked their way through the book together, and they found that they can do this themselves because they're getting introduced to this whole concept. Wait a minute. Maybe I have to stop and think. They didn't even know they had to stop and think. Right. Maybe right. this person didn't mean it like I took it. They didn't even know that. Right. 
So just going through that book is really a way for them to recognize, wait a minute, there is another possibility. And if they're the least bit rational and logical, they will go with that. Now, I and, and, and they do, need to be and they need to be conscious. And I think that's the thing that's helpful in your book is it makes them conscious that it might not be exactly how they um, their knee jerk reaction. Well, maybe maybe they meant something different. And, right. And I think that's the beauty of having either a therapist or a book to go through and say, wait a minute, we've just been doing these old habits that don't work that our assumptions, and we all know what assumptions are, right? They, yep. you know, If you assume, you make a you-know-what of you and me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so if you stop assuming and start clarifying and questioning and being curious and, and um, you know, getting the feedback, then obviously there's a chance that you can heal this, right? Right. Now, there's another piece which is very important. Accompanying all this experience is a bad feeling because even if the person that they were speaking to did not actually mean or say what they thought it was, there's still going to be a bad feeling because this experience has triggered something deep down inside of them that's an old tape, an old routine that they had been in when they were growing up. Right. And so you now have another thing to separate out, which is the past from the present. And I, I do have place in the book for people to heal their past because that's also part of it. There are exercises for that. Um, one of them is, for an example, doing a very specifically defined affirmation. Uh, you know, people can look up the word affirmations uh, online and they'll get canned affirmations, like, I am a good person. That's very nice. Yeah. But it's better to tailor your affirmations yourself to exactly what it is that you need. So that let's take an example of that person who heard someone speaking about someone else and she thought it was about her. So she might have to make an affirmation that says, people speak well of me. Because this will counteract the message that she must have had in her life, in her history, that people are not speaking well of her. Right, right. So by doing an exact opposite affirmation and starting to record that everywhere, in other words, every time someone speaks well of her, she could jot it down. Okay, today is January 6th, and somebody said something wonderful to me today. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right. That. Or I'm loved and respected and cherished, those kinds of things that, that you say to yourself. And then every time you do feel loved and you know cherished, then you can write that down, which is a you great idea. You write it down, exactly. Yeah. And what I ask people to do is actually write down the situation. Well, I was speaking to Barbara today, and she said, and, I, and it means a lot to me what she said because she's my supervisor, you know, something like that. Right. So you write down the date and what they said and who it was. So you have a real thing. It's powerful. It's on your side instead of this negative message in your brain that's on the other side. Right, right. 
let's get back a little bit to this uh, to the husband and wife and if things really get aggressive and um i know you know you talk about aggressive behavior and even a little bit about domestic violence so what about when there is really aggressive behavior that becomes domestic violence what are your thoughts about that okay the first thing is people have to learn to take a time out they have to be able to leave, and they have to discuss this at a time when they're not upset with each other. Right. So one of the things that, let's say, one person tends to be more aggressive than the other, and it could be a woman. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a man. Right. So the person who's aggressive has to be on board with the plan. So the, the person who has been attacked in the past says, look, I don't want to be attacked, and I'm sure you don't want to be an aggressive person who might end up going to jail, do you? And, the, you know, the other one says, of course not, I don't. So let's make a plan that when we feel the heat rising, we take a break. Right. We take a break and we don't discuss it. Now, one of the complaints that people have, and I've heard this a million times, you probably have too, Oh, yeah, he only wants to take a break when I'm about to say something important, and he shuts me down that way. Right. Have you heard that one? Sure. Yeah. So how do you take a timeout under that circumstance? And the answer is you may really need to do it anyway, and to get to talk about what you really want to talk about, you may need to go to a third party, whether it's go to Mary <laughs> for conflict mediation or go to Dr. Deb for counseling, it's either way, you may need a third party. If you cannot talk about the sensitive subject right. any other way, then you may need to do that. But don't assume that because you want to talk about it, you can go ahead, because that's where you will get into trouble. Right, especially, like you said, when the emotions are really high, it's mm -hmm. it's always best to take a break and say, look, you know, neither of us are, are you know, communicating well with each other. Let's take a break. Let's make a time. Let's, you know, you commit to a time that you're going to do this when everybody's relaxed, you know, when the kids are asleep after dinner, you know, can we do it at 730 or eight o'clock? Exactly. What, what works for you? And, and actually make a time because otherwise I notice people will tell me that they've put things under the rug for so long that they never made that commitment to actually sit down and try it first. And right. then if it doesn't work, of course, then you're going to go to Dr. Deb or someone like that who can be helpful to you. Right, exactly. But, you know, people sometimes are afraid. They push it under the rug because they're terrified of bringing it out. So that's when you may need a third party. Yes, yes. Now, let me ask you something. When we, um, you know, people say that, you can only change yourself. Isn't that true that you can only change yourself? And that's, that's hard enough, right? Well, the answer to that is yes and no. Um, we actually do impact each other. We change each other. Um, you, for example, teach classes. And when people go through those classes, I'm sure you've heard your students say, wow, not only did I learn something, but now I handle things differently, right? Yeah. Well, they, so they, they made a choice. Them. They made a choice to change themselves. Maybe they were influenced by me, but basically it's always their choice whether they wish to change or not, right? 
Well, they may not be even a conscious process. They just suddenly, unexpectedly find themselves reacting differently because you made that impact on them. Right, right. So people actually are influenced by others. We all influence each other. So we may be able to change. Look, advertising is a way of changing another person. Right. And it's very effective. Yes. You know, you you look at a commercial for some product and you go, oh, I didn't realize blubbity blubbity blah does blubbity blubbity blah. Yeah. I'm going to go buy that. That's very cool. That's a change. That's a choice you're making based on this person who's developed this very nice advertising program to really lure you in, and it worked. Right. It only takes one person to change the situation. So, for example, like you were talking about, uh, if if a person who automatically uh, feels like a victim, if that person stops and no longer assumes that they're a victim in everything that someone that their spouse says to them, if they stop and say, hmm, tell me more about what you just said, help me understand what you really meant. Right. That automatically changes the situation. It may not change him, but it changes the situation, which then his reaction or, or her reaction has to be different because the other person changed. Right. Yeah. I've had people come to me because they've had an anger problem, which has gotten in the way in marriage with their children, with their work. And it's amazing if they're open, and that's the key to learning new techniques and new ways of thinking, they really can change. It's amazing. It's amazing. But in a couple situation, people can affect one another in a very positive way. Because if you're open and your spouse says, look, if you would only reflect a little bit on what you just said and how hurtful it could be, I'm sure you wouldn't want to do it. And if the person listens and actually does the reflecting, then he or she can change. Yes. They say, wow, I didn't realize that. I didn't know it would hurt your feelings so much. Right, right. So um, let's talk a little bit about when marriage, a bad marriage, might be better than divorce. Is it, and when is divorce the right thing? Okay, here's the thing. No, a bad marriage isn't, if you leave it alone, better than divorce. The problem is that the divorce process, if you don't do anything in a bad marriage and then you go to divorce, you're in in trouble. Then it gets worse. It actually gets worse. And my theory is like this. Let's say you go into a marriage looking for love. That's what you expect. You expect to be treated with kindness and courtesy and respect and given love. And you feel like that didn't happen in your marriage. So your, your feeling is going to be not only disappointed, but angry, very angry, like you have an unpaid debt. Someone owes you something, and they were supposed to pay it because that was the terms and conditions emotionally of your marriage. They didn't pay it, so, they go, so now you go to court demanding something else. You're looking for money. You're looking for time with the kids' custody. You're looking for whatever you're looking for. The truth is you don't realize that what you're really looking for unconsciously is this emotional debt that hasn't been paid. So you use the court process 
endlessly to rake your former partner over the coals because you can't quite get satisfied. It's like the person who overeats and they're still not satisfied. Right. They're looking for something else. It's not what they're going to get from court. It's what they should have gotten in the marriage. So my uh, approach is to say, can we please work on the marriage first? Work on listening. Work on understanding. Work on not having a knee-jerk reaction of getting angry. Calm yourself down. Listen. Reflect. Work on yourself. Work on, on talking to each other. Work on finding the good and the beautiful in this other person. Work on all that. Now, if it turns out that you get to a place where you say, okay, I really do understand this other person now, I understand better, but I still don't think she is the person I thought she was going to be or he is the person I thought I married, then you can get divorced, but you don't have the sense of this unpaid debt that you're furious about because you've worked it all out you realize that the debt isn't going to be paid. This person can't pay it. You're no longer angry. Yes. You know, this is why I've been mediating for 27 years, because I saw through my own divorce and other people's divorces how really they were acting out all this stuff that you're talking about that they could not get done. So they continue yeah. in the divorce. And then, of course, it's expensive. It's costing them a, a great deal of money and, and pain and, of course, pain for the children. So right. in mediation, a lot of the times we, we get to that point. We get to, you know what, I did the best I could with the tools I had, and you did the best you ha could with the tools you had. You know, we we cared about each other. We learned from each other. And now it's just time to release. It's time to yeah. release. And, yeah. you know, and it, let's co-parent and let's be good to one another, even though we're ready to move on. Right. There you go. Yeah. Now, what I, we don't have a real lot of time, but I wanted to just have you give us a few tips of what pe people should doing. They're listening. It's, you know, the new year. What are some things that you recommend that they do to have this Healthy Mutual Healing. And I want to just give the name of your book again. It's called The Healing is Mutual, Marriage Empowerment Tools to Build to Rebuild Trust and Respect Together. And we're speaking with Dr. Deb. So could you just give us um, a couple hints for the new year? Sure. I think uh, the, the first thing to start a good year right is to start telling yourself, and this is another affirmation, if your life has been miserable, you could tell yourself that life as a whole is good and that this year I'm going to find what's good in it. See, this puts you into a completely different mental place than, a, than simply being swept up by the currents of time. You're searching for the goodness. Right. Because there is goodness there. It's just hard to find sometimes when life is tough. Right. And the same thing would be true of a couple to say, I'm going to search for that which is good in the person I've married. 
and thank them, right? Have an attitude of gratitude for the things that they do right, because then maybe that will help help to encourage them to do more of those things, right? I totally agree with that. Thank you for that one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, terrific. We uh, we appreciate it. So let's give your website again and uh, the name of your book, if you don't mind, Dr. Deb. Sure. It's Dr. Deb, D-E-B. Dot com. There's no dot after doctor. It's just D-R-D-E-B dot com. And the book is The Healing is Mutual, and you'll see it right on the front page of the website. So you can click that and read more about it. Well, thank you so much, and just have a wonderful new year, and we look forward to hearing more from you, all the great things that you're doing to help couples have happier and healthier marriages. So thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and listen to archived interviews, and write us emails about concerns you have about conflict in your own life. Thanks. Thank you.